This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. Well, as artificial intelligence continues to grow in impact in our culture, there continue to be new questions to be asked. One from a new white paper by our next guest asks whether ChatGPT can provide ethical advice. The authors of that paper join us right now, Christian Terwish, who's a professor of operations, information, and decisions here at the Wharton School. He's also co-director of the Mac Institute, and also Leonard Meinke, who is a research assistant here at Wharton. Gentlemen, great to have you with us today. Thanks for your time. Thanks for having us. Thank you. All right. So, Christian, I'll start with you. Lay this out for us about both the importance of this research, but how you went about it. So this sounds like a weird question, right? Can GPT give ethical advice? So the bigger context is that we've seen AI do all kinds of things from being a customer support agent, uh, summarizing patient visits in the hospital, doing automated underwriting decisions in banking situations. And so the, the question came up, like, can it do more human things? And Leonard and I did another white paper that you and I talked about on the show recently, whether uh, GPT can be creative. And we found really interesting things there. And so the last question that we felt like was kind of had to be covered is, can GPT do something human-like having feelings and talk about ethical advice? And so we thought that was a really interesting question to tackle. So, Leonard, how did you go about this? Because I find it interesting. It's one thing to, you know, for the for the process to include something that may work in the human brain. This is kind of another avenue of that. Yeah, and one thing that was very important to us was, so we benchmarked it against ethical advice by the ethicists in the New York Times. We didn't just want to see if we can replicate their advice, right? We wanted to really see what is the base model GPT-4, what can it do right now? So when preparing our experiment, we spent a lot of time making sure that we don't introduce any kind of bias or give any previous responses by the person we're comparing against to make sure we're really just getting what the raw model things and it was, it was super fascinating to see the differences in responses for the different ethical dilemmas. So this was basically taking scenarios that may have been in the ethicist and preparing them for them to be diagnosed by individuals that you had in this, in this research. Yeah, so we essentially took reader submissions to the New York Times um, that the ethicist had answered beforehand. I think we drew from the last three to four months. So the data could not have been in GPT, so it couldn't have seen the ethicist responses to it. And then for each of those dilemmas, we asked GPT again with a prompt to make sure that it wouldn't just try to mimic the original advisor and saw what, what kind of advice GPT gave. And then we had a few different groups, MBA students at Wharton. Um, we had an expert group of clerics and faculty, and then we had more like general public college-educated people rate each advice and see what, which one they perceive to be more useful. So, Christian, we've obviously talked about uh, the connection between ethical advice and, and morals in human beings. And, and I think the question probably a lot of people might have is, is it too much of a leap of faith to assume that computers, or in this case, AI, can make those types of decisions? So let's be clear what we're testing here and what we're not testing here. We're not testing whether AI has feelings, AI is conscious, or AI has moral capabilities. I have an opinion on all of those, and the answer is no. What we are testing is, can GPT create ethical advice that is useful? And usefulness is measured in the eyes, as Leonard was just explaining, in the eyes of lay people, 
Wharton MBA students and experts such as clergy and uh, academics. And so for each of these dilemmas, we have the expert, in this case uh, from the New York Times, Dr. Apia, uh, share his view on an ethical dilemma, and we at GPT create his or her view on the dilemma. And then we compare which one is more useful. So we're not making claims that AI has, is, is human or conscious or anything. It is fascinating to see that it, is, it, it provides useful advice. Nothing more, nothing less. And, and Leonard, from what I read, it, there was uh, a path where you also uh, rated the usefulness of the advice, correct? Yeah, so there were essentially two different ways we approached the evaluation. In one of the two surveys that we went through with our participants, we asked participants, please rate how useful, well, imagine you are the reader uh, so that you don't have any personal bias. Imagine you're the reader and you ask this question, how useful do you think on a scale from one to seven, this advice will be to you? And then in a secondary group, we did display the original ethicist advice and we displayed the GBT advice. And then basically they had to pick which of the two they preferred. So it was more like a head on head race. And so what was the end up being the results in terms of which advice they seem to gravitate more towards? So it was very interesting because essentially it's a tie and it's a super close tie. So across all three groups, there's a slight preference for GPT, but only for the lay people that's statistically significant for the MBAs and the experts. While there's a small preference, it's not large enough to be considered significant. So I think right now we're just confident to say that there is a tie in the ability uh, but we, we can't really necessarily say one is much better or worse than the other. Christian, does the fact that there was basically a tie in this, does it, does it, does it say anything to you about the, the importance of, of this going down the, down the road? Yeah, I mean, it allows us now that anywhere you're in a situ anywhere you are, anytime that you have a situation where you want ethical advice, you can get it immediately and for free. And I think that is, in many ways, a real wow result because few of us, unless we are sitting in the White House or a CEO of a big company, have the luxury of having like ethical advisors. And so, ethical advice uh, can be streamed to us at zero marginal cost and instantly. So, I think that is wow. Again, I don't want to overgeneralize and say like we don't need ethicists anymore. To the contrary, right. but in most situations, I think normal people like uh, you and us. Uh, are in in most situations, we can't afford to seek ethical advice by an expert, and so having this now available at the click of a of a mouse, I think is is, is, is something really big. And it's is it safe to say, Christian, that with the growth we're seeing uh, in the use of AI in a variety of different areas, that the expectation is that we will see it grow in this area as well. So, again, I think the growth is in more use cases that previously have had no involvement of ethical considerations. We can provide it. I'm absolutely hesitant to make significant decisions in life and politics and in business based on that advice alone. I think of it more as a stimulus to us as we are going through our own deliberations in our, in our minds to hear other perspectives, to embrace perspectives that we might have usually not have embraced from our social network and take all of that into account and have the humans be the, the decision maker. And hopefully that leads to more ethical behavior, which is something that I think the world desperately needs right now. Leonard, it sounded like in some of the cases when people were making their decision, 
between the AI advice and, and that of of the the ethicists that there may have been a cases where people were not sure which one they would take, and you really, I guess, to agree, press them on it to really make a decision on which one they would take, and and in some cases the AI won out. Yeah, and we were thinking hard how to design the experiment because if we just give them two pieces like A and B advice for the AI and ethicist let's say everyone picks the AI, but it was super close, then we can't really say that, right? So that's why we use this two stages or two different experiments. But for one, we ask them to one to seven, how useful it is. And then in another round, we ask them, which one do you think is more useful to you out of these two? Of course, we asked different people different questions, but that was kind of the core idea. So we were able to see how big the difference really was. What did you take from, from doing this research, Leonard? I think it's just super interesting with GPT and AI coming up so much to evaluate all the different things you might not immediately think of where it's already good at. And I think to Christian's point, I would just see it as one more opinion, one more voice that you're throwing in to a decision. And, you know, maybe it's 11 p.m. on a Saturday afternoon uh, evening and you would just like to get some advice on something. You know, you have it readily available. You don't have to follow it. We're not sitting here and say, please follow what GPT-4 tells you. But it's just one more opinion that might be helpful. And it's very affordable. Christian, where do you think then this research potentially takes you? What is there a next logical step to, to follow up with this? I would really like to explore the role of opinion diversity. I think it lies into in the nature of American life and most of the Western world right now that we are all surrounding ourselves with like-minded people. I think there's a real opportunity to seek advice from folks that are explicitly outside your comfort zone, people who, who you would normally not approach, and hear what they have to say, hear different perspectives, and then you, maybe together with AI, can aggregate these individual voices and opinions to hopefully look beyond kind of your own perspective and, and grow in understanding of others and in the deliberation process for your own decisions. Leonard, where would you like to take this next? I think it would also be interesting if we look at some of the differences per ethical dilemma. So we asked 20 different ones, and it would just be cool to see maybe there is a strong preference in AI advice in a specific niche. Maybe it's different for the ethicist, uh, just to kind of see how people, a little bit to Christian's point when it comes to the advices, how people think differently per ethical question raised. Is there also an element of this, Leonard, because of the fact that we have become more reliant on technology in general, that the expectation is as we move further down the road and we rely more on technology, that this is going to be a natural avenue for people to maybe consider when they're thinking about, uh, you know, some sort of question or problem in their life that they may need, may need to get advice on. I think that's a very natural assumption to make. I think we've seen it for many years where people take to online forums to ask about any kind of advice, whether it's relationship advice, ethical advice. We see it on Reddit a lot. So I think it's a very natural extension of the technology that people will turn more and more to these virtual assistants and ask them for help. But of course, in these cases, the help or answer can only ever be as good as how much you're telling and how good your input is. Christian, how about yourself? I think it's just fascinating that a technology that has never been married, that has never been loved, can provide us with guidance and advice about how to live our life. And so, again, I think of it as 
get input, get stimuli, get new perspectives. And then it's up to us of integrating that into our decision-making process and become better people with that. Great to have you both with us. Thank you, Christian. Thank you, Leonard. Been a pleasure. Thank you. Christian Turwish, who's a professor of operations, information, and decisions here at the Wharton School, and also Leonard Meike, who is a research assistant here at the Wharton School. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.